The reading today is from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, those who are disabled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered had been, has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you this morning. So before I get started proper, I just want to talk a little bit about last week's um, talk. With that. I, we, Claire and I weren't here. We were up in a wedding in town, which was great. Um, but I've re-listened to Patrick's talk about Mary and Martha. And um, in that story where Martha was upset that her sister Mary had left her to do all the work. And she was sitting at Jesus' feet. But Jesus responded with this. Mary has chosen what is better. So, um, and I talked to Patrick earlier this week, and um, this talk reminded me of a time, Stuart Wright, do you, do you remember Stuart Wright? Uh, a youth leader here about four or five times before, so it shows how long you've been with the church, if you remember him. And we were co-leading um, the mission uh, to the Ukraine one summer. Both of us were absolutely exhausted. We'd been running around doing far too much and we got talking about this Mary and Martha passage, and we started praying. And in our prayers, I still remember it, we prayed that we would, God would make us big Marys. <laughs> Very macho thing to pray. We both burst out laughing, and we just felt God laughing with us how much we run around being Marthas, where so often we need to be Marys. Just thought I'd share that with you. So on to the passage proper, okay? So this passage today that we've just heard read so beautifully. My wife, Claire, and I, um, over there just embarrassing her, uh, love to travel. And um, she traveled greatly as a, fam as a family, as a child, um, but I didn't. I got to go mostly to Scotland, very wet Scotland and midges, or Port Maddock on a good day in North Wales. So once we had a family of our own, nothing's wrong with Port Maddock or Scotland, by the way. Um, but there's a much bigger world out there. 
Um, so as a family, we inevitably passed on the wanderlust of traveling around the world to our children, Rob and Beth. And a key component of traveling is our enjoyment of food. We love to eat, eat the local foods, whether in the UK or abroad. Um, one podcast, actually, do people listen to podcasts? Put your hand up if you regularly listen to podcasts. Excellent. One podcast that we listen to as a family in the car is called the Off Menu Podcast. Put your hand up if you listen to the Off Menu Podcast. Two, three, four. <sighs> it's very funny. And it's hosted by comedians Ed Gamble and James A. Castor. Um, each week, a guest chooses their perfect banquet, their ideal starter, main, side, and dessert, and drink, and also choose who they have to their perfect dinner, who, who they want to invite to eat with them. And often in doing this, they remember an amazing taste or event from their past and recapture that perfect meal. So thinking for yourself, where do you remember with such fondness Great times you've eaten with people, dined with people, banqueted with people either. A place, a time of wonderful time, of wonderful food, but also sharing with amazing friends, filled with laughter, joy, and deep conversation. Eating together, friends, is surely one of the absolute joys of being human. But however good the most memorable feasts you've ever had, they will ever had will diminish to nothing compared to the great feast that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to. That great feast that will be there when he welcomes each and every one of us on that great day. And this is what our passage is all about today. And yet there is also a sting in the tail that Jesus, as always in his stories, in no way avoids and neither should we. So do open your Bibles if you find it useful. There's a Bible at the end of, uh, I'm, I'm going to call them pews, at the end of your chair, row of chairs. Um, it would, would be helpful. So it is uh, Luke 14, 15 to 24. Do help people out if they want a Bible from the end of the pews. So our passage starts in verse 15 with this rather trite line that comes which would have been so well known in Jewish circles and one of the guests says to Jesus blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God but Jesus is eager to expand this he is eager for us all to know more fully about the kingdom of God but first I just want you to imagine we stop the service now okay and you all put your coats on and we troop down to the railway station, and we head off toward, to Waterloo, unless there's, of course, a bus replacement service today, which there might well be, sorry. Um, and once we get there, we're going to do a little survey. We're going to ask all the people in the console, concourse one question. What, in your mind, is heaven like? How do you think people would respond? How many of those would answer the way Jesus and our Jewish friend at the start of our passage would have answered? How many would have said it's, it would be one of the, the greatest banquets, feasts I've ever had? How many do you think would respond in that way? 
And how many would respond? And Jesus would be the host. And he would greet us and smile upon us. I remember years ago going to a new wine uh, festival, which is a Christian festival in Somerset. And in the big marquee there, the, where we met each and every night to worship and learn more about Jesus, there was probably about a thousand people in the tent sitting in concentric circles around a central stage. This one time, we were singing a Matt Redman song whose lyrics are, through it all you are faithful, through it all you are strong. And I just started to imagine that I was no longer in that tent in Somerset. I was still standing next to my friend, Jez Hepworth, who was on the left of me. But now we were in the afterlife, and we were now worshiping Jesus as he welcomed us in that big feast. I pictured this huge grass bowl, a bit like Teletubby grass, with millions, maybe billions of people around the rim, all looking down towards the center. And at the center, there was Jesus sitting on a throne. And the optics, the physics just doesn't work because everybody could see his face. And he was looking up and he was recognizing people. And he was recognizing them and said, ah, oh, Thomas, you're here. Dom, you're here. Sarah, you're here. Stuart, you're here. Mark, you made it, you're here. And it's the joy on his face as he welcomed each and every one of us. And then we started to sing. And we were still singing that song that I was still singing in that tent in Somerset. But I was singing it in past tense. Through it all, you were faithful, Lord. Through it all, you were strong. This is one of my most precious memories. And I get, I get filled with joy every time I remember it and share it with you today. To see that overwhelming joy on Jesus' face as he says, welcome home. For me, I was imagining the start of that great feast that Jesus longs for each and every one of us to be at. And that is what he's talking about in our verse 16. This story, this parable is all about who will be at this great feast. In verse 17, though, why does the servant have to go a second time to the people who are already invited? Well, to understand this, we need to understand a little bit about first century Jewish culture. They certainly wouldn't have had podcasts or uh, ways of remembering and putting calendars together. So the accepted etiquette was that people would be double invited to a party. They'd be invited one time, a long time in advance, and hopefully they'd accept. And those that did, get, did accept a servant would go out and tell them, we're now ready for you, come now, to remind them. Maybe some of us need reminders for dinner parties like that too, even now. So the servant goes out and says, come, for everything is now ready. But what happens? We have three rather pathetic excuses. Verse 18, the first one says, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it, please excuse me. How transparently false. They should have, first of all, seen the field before they bought it. But now they've bought it, that field's going nowhere, is it? Fields don't wander off. So he, he doesn't have to go and see it that evening. It can wait. 
he could come to the banquet. Verse 19 is a similar excuse. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. Uh, a yoke is two oxen, so that's ten, ten oxen. And I'm on my way to try them out. Again, he should have inspected them and seen them before he bought them. What a commercially hopeless. There's no hurry to rush to see them. He could too come to the banquet. Then we have in verse 20, and listen up, Dom and Lucy. Still another says, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, Dom and Lucy, here's a verse for you for your, for, for your memory book. In Deut- Deuteronomy 24 and 5, Deuteronomy allows, says, for one year, he, just talks about the bridegroom, is free to stay at home and bring happiness to his wife he has married. <laughs> However, this is primarily about doing military service, not about social events. It says at the beginning of that verse, if a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war. So let's make sure you're not sent to war, Dom. However, this man has already accepted the invitation. We heard that at the beginning. And this law in Deuteronomy did not exempt him from social commitments. So be careful what you've you've accepted, Dom and Lucy. None of these three excuses are compelling. Far from it. How does the owner of the house respond? Look in verse 21. Then the owner of the house became angry. If the owner of the house is God, Jesus is saying that God becomes angry at this rejection. How are we to understand this? This word in Greek is used in the New Testament to express a wide spectrum ranging from our sometimes even trivial human anger all the way through to God's righteous anger. God's righteous anger that we saw, for example, when Jesus overturned the tables in the temple in Jerusalem. Here, God is righteously angry. Everything God has done to enable us to be able to be made right with him, to be forgiven, accepted, not only accepted, but joyously welcomed into his presence, is transparently and very weakly being rejected. We saw those words in verse 17, come, for everything is now ready. Through everything that God and Jesus did, everything is now ready. There is nothing that need, we need to do except come, accept his invitation. There is no more, well, you do this and I'll do that. There's no dealing with God. It's a simple invitation to his big feast. God, our loving Heavenly Father, has done everything for our salvation. Jesus freely and with so much love willingly gave up everything for these three folk and for us as he, an innocent, sinless man, died the death of a sinner on that cross for them and each one of us. Remember the words of Jesus on the cross when he said, it is finished. Jesus meant it was complete. His work was done. Everything is now ready for these three and for you and for me. In one universe-changing act of God dying for us. Jesus said a little while before this, and we remembered this last week too, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus then says to his disciples then and to us, 
You are my friends if you do what I command. God's anger is for them, not against them. Rather, everything that they are missing out on, they are turning their backs on Jesus. These three excuse makers are in the first group of people in Jesus' story. These are people who knew the owner of the house, knew God. Maybe we can connect to this in our lives as people, people we might know who've grown up knowing God, maybe even having gone along with the Christian life at school or church, sympathetic to Christianity, but maybe never taking that next step, never accepting God's invitation to this amazing banquet that is knowing God knowing God on this side of the grave and on the next. If this is you today in church, can I suggest you don't let this go on? Can I invite you to stop making excuses? Maybe can I ask you to pray to be more like Mary and stop and spend time at Jesus' feet and get serious about finding out more about how knowing Jesus changes everything in your life. Truly knowing Jesus, not, knowing, not just knowing of Jesus. And it's so worthwhile. Knowing forgiveness, knowing new life, knowing the presence of God, knowing that God goes before us, with us, and after us into all situations. Knowing that we can have a real relationship with the God of the universe, one-to-one knowing true purpose and meaning in our life. The treasures are bountiful, and, si and he is simply waiting for you to accept his invitation. So please come to talk with Patrick or myself or anyone else that you like the look of after this service. I'd love, and we'd love, and even those lovely people you'd rather talk to would love to talk to you more about Christ because he surely and truly makes all the difference. For those of you who already know Jesus in this way, you can witness too, and they may be some of the lovely people you're going to talk to, they can, you can witness that Jesus does indeed make all the difference. If that's you here today, can't it be so hard to watch others we love, those who don't accept his, his invitation, Maybe we watch them year after year, getting so close, but never quite getting it. Can I encourage you this morning never to give up? Never give up. Keep on praying. Keep on being there for them. Keep on being their good friend, walking alongside with them. Being there for that wonderful moment that you are praying for. Never give up on them. God certainly doesn't. There is hope until that very last moment of life. So yes, God is passionate about the outcome of our decision to his great banquet. So the owner of the house goes on and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And this is our second group of people, all those who frankly wouldn't have felt worthy to be invited to this great banquet. And yet, these are exactly the people came to save, that Jesus came to save. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about a prostitute who poured perfume over Jesus' feet in Simon's house. 
as reported from, uh, by Luke in chapter 7. The joy that overflows from her as she knows that Jesus has turned her life around completely and made her move from feeling completely worthless to knowing that she is a precious daughter of God. Jesus' message of salvation is so precious to these group of people. Those that feel the world gives them no value, and yet Jesus gives them every value, gives us every value. We are loved. So if you are feeling so low today and of little value, knowing that Jesus values you infinitely, know that he loves you so much just as you are, He loves you so much that he died for you and longs for you to accept his invitation today to know him in your life. Jesus changes everything. If you'd like to talk more, then again, those same group of people, including Patrick and I, would love to talk to you after the service. But look, the owner of the house still doesn't give up. He he keeps going. In verse 23, he says, Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. He commands the servants to go further beyond the city into the country. Well, readers of this passage have taken this as Jesus' salvation message going way beyond the Jewish establishment. We know 2,000 years later that the Christian church the body of Christ is no way, in, in, is, has, has gone so far beyond just the Jewish people. When Luke wrote these words, of course, many Christians would have been converted from the Jewish faith. But already the disciples had seen the gospel spreading more and more to Gentiles, to non-Jews. Even today, Jews are converting to Christianity There's a wonderful group of Christians I know called the Messianic Jews, those that follow the Messiah, who were born into a Jewish tradition, but since have heard the gospel and accepted Jesus' invitation and accepted that he is truly the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, who died for all people, including Jews then and now. And they have so much to teach us about the holisticness of the Bible of Jesus' foretelling of his coming during the Old Testament, of him coming and the effect he had on the church then and the church to come. So again, the servants were sent. And we read so much about that sending of servants in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. As the gospel spreads west across Europe, through Turkey, Greece, Italy, and even Spain. And then later, after the time of Acts, The gospel continues through France, Germany, even to the UK, and on across the rest of the world, continuing to this day. These are the missionaries that God calls to go into the world with this message of love, this joyous invitation. And who are the missionaries today? We all are. Wherever God places us, that is today's mission field. Wherever you are this afternoon, or tomorrow morning. If you know Jesus, then you are a missionary. And this is your place to come alongside people and to share with them the treasure that knowing Jesus is. Handing them that beautiful, embossed, life-changing invitation to the great banquet. But there is a sting in this story's tale. 
And we should, like Jesus, not avoid it. Look at the last verse in our passage in Jesus' parable. Concerning those that had made their excuses and refused his invitation, Jesus says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The sad truth is God doesn't force us to accept his invitation. And we can make our excuses too. Jesus is clear that no one who doesn't accept will come to the great banquet. Sadly, some are refusing today, here in church and out of church. Sadly, they will not get to see Jesus' smile and hear him say to those who accept him, I'm so, so glad you're here. In a moment, we're going to be lifting up our praise to this Jesus for all that he has done for us as we take communion together, as we celebrate a foretaste of that great banquet, as we come to take bread and wine together, as we look forward to that day when Jesus will greet us and welcome us home. Amen.